today. I hope that you guys got one of these on the way in. My ushers back there, if you didn't get one of these, I want to make sure that you get one. Uh, you can raise your hand if you want one or something like that. Our ushers will get them to you. Uh, but we want to make sure that you guys have these in your hand. Really important for our uh, what we're calling our 10 uh, Habits series. Now, uh, now <clears throat> this might date me and it might make me kind of nerdy, but that's okay. Uh, so, uh, how many of you went to Christian camp when you were at like youth, when you were a student? Okay, some of you. Okay, some of you were like, "I'm way too cool for that." Okay, uh, and so that is okay. Uh, so, um, so I went to one. I went to several uh, church camps when I was when I was a student, uh, and I had a fantastic and great time. And I'll tell you what, every single one of those was was really great and was really forming to my relationship with God and knowing who God was and knowing the gospel and, uh, and, and pointing me in the direction of ministry, really, really important stuff. But every single time, and maybe whether you've been through some kind of camp experience or maybe just some kind of spiritual experience of some kind, uh, we, the, the big question after we leave those environments, because, because what happens at those camp experiences is that this great spiritual high. It is an amazing spiritual high. You just feel so connected with God and his spirit and what God is doing. And you feel like Superman, Supergirl. And you're so excited about what, what God's going to do moving forward in your, in your Bible reading, your quiet time and prayer and missions and serving. And you're just, you're just on top of the world when you come off of one of those kind of camp experiences. Maybe, maybe you didn't go to camp, but you've had one of those kind of spiritual experiences. You're kind of wondering... Can it stay this way all the time? And isn't that the tension question? When we come off of spiritual highs in our life, we ask that question, how come it can't stay this way all of the time? Why does it wane? Why do our hearts move farther away from God? Is it, is it just the environment? Is it just, you know, bad food and games and, and, and you know, bunking up with one another? Like, is that... Is that the secret sauce because that doesn't happen at home? And so what, what is the secret to this kind of camp experience or spiritual high experience that would leave us with, is it possible for it to continue all of the time? And how come it wanes? Why does it wane all of the time? And, and, and I think the tension is, is that we want that spirit of God. We want that experience, we want that presence, and we feel like we want, we have a special extra measure of grace in our lives. Say that with me one time. Grace. Okay, say it one more time. Grace. Okay, so that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this entire series is how does grace function in our life? Because when we're having those spiritual highs, it's as if God's grace is almost tangible in our lives feels like God's closer. It feels like his spirit is with us more and there's nothing hindering us from those experiences. But yet it wanes. Why is that? So let's understand grace for just a second. If you're taking notes, take this note. What is grace? Grace is this. It is unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. Meaning that we should have received punishment, or we should have not received a special blessing. We did not earn it, but yet it is a gift. So grace is, in fact, unmerited favor. And because of Jesus, 
grace flows all over the Bible. All over the Bible. It, it talks about, just in the New Testament alone, it talks about grace 181 times. That's a lot. And so it's just saturated with this idea of grace, but I'm not really sure that we completely get it. So I want to read a couple scripture verses to you, and it'll be up on the screen, okay, so you can follow along. But, uh, but here, so I want to re- just read the saturation of grace because there's a mouthful here. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 1, 7 through 10, it says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, meaning Jesus, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his, give me the word, grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That is a mouthful, but that is incredible because God is lavishing his grace on us according to his great plan. Now, Paul's going to say this again in chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 in Ephesians, okay? It'll, it says this, one of the greatest pieces of scripture It's my favorite. I'll tell you what. Ephesians chapter 2, if I know that I'm going to die next week, I'm going to preach in Ephesians chapter 2, just to give you a heads up. Okay, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, give give it to me, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The complete plan of the gospel is that God gives grace to us freely and that's his plan and that we didn't earn it. Now John chapter 1 says this, John chapter 1, this is the first chapter of the book of the of, of of the gospel of john it says this and the word meaning jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ when i read these texts it excites me. When I just read the living word of God, it gives me such hope. Because, because this idea that I was broken and dead in my sin, and now he has given us grace upon grace, this, this wild nature of grace. And it, it re- recharges me. It refreshes me. There is, a, there is this unbelievable, untangible pouring out of the Spirit. When I read these texts about God's grace, His unmerited favor towards me, and when I deepen my understanding of this grace, and let me say, when, I, mean, I mean we, when we deepen our understanding of God's grace, I think that that gives us an answer to how we can stay in the zone, so to speak, that spiritual high experience zone that we could possibly stay there on a daily basis that we wouldn't need some kind of church activity or church experience or 
or, or special camp experience, but that we could stay in those moments, in the zone, if we truly understood the vast nature of God's grace. I think if we got it, if we understand how grace works, we could get there. We could get there. So here's what I want us to do. I want to take us some notes a little bit before I get into my very strange contraption up here that I'm sure is creating some mystery. Uh, so, so let's understand grace together. There's three things that I want you guys to understand about grace. If you're taking notes, take it up in your take it up in your pen. But if you're if you're not, you can take it up in your mind. I want you to memorize these things, okay? So the first part about grace that I want you to understand is that there's there is universal grace. There is such a thing as universal grace, and this is God's unending gift to all of humanity. This is the grace that we see, and it's always flowing and never stopping. The, the type of grace, when I talk about universal grace, what I want this is the air that we breathe, the systems that our body that function, the idea that we know that our heart is going to beat, even though we don't tell it to do so. Like, I have brain function that tells me to lift my arm up and down, but I'm not thinking about the fact that I need to, my, my, my heart needs to pump or my lungs need to function or my muscles need to work. All of that is the grace of God. It's a universal grace of God that he gives lavishly to humanity. If we walk outside and we breathe oxygen and we know that the sun is going to come up every single day and it's going to go down every single day, we're not going to get burned up by the sun. That is a universal gift of God. We don't have we we never think about the idea of, well, I wonder if the sun's gonna come up tomorrow morning. No, we already know that. Why? Because God is lavishing his grace on us all of the time, and he does so for all of humanity, regardless of whether they know him or not, regardless of whether they follow him or not. That you're that are that folks that don't know whether you're in this room or whether you're out of this room, uh, that don't know God, he's still going to give that grace to all of humanity. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, verse 35, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is Jesus talking about God's universal grace. That it matters not where you are in your spiritual journey, that you still receive God's grace all of the time. And it is always flowing. It never stops. It's ever, ever going. And God's grace is always lavish upon humanity. That's his very nature of who he is. And so everyone can connect with the idea of universal grace. Now, the second type of grace is this. It is saving grace. It is saving grace. This is the grace that comes to us through the person of Jesus Christ. That he came perfect in every way, and that the purpose of his coming was to save us. And so even though that he was innocent, that he was not guilty of any sin at all, that he put himself up on a cross to die for our sin. And that God the Father gave him, right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. That is saving grace. And it is received, and it's free. It's just as free as universal grace. 
There is no earning of it. There is no effort in saving grace. It is simply received by us, believed in by us. We don't do anything to earn it. We simply receive it. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. You might know this verse and know it well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is completely unearned. And that's the gospel. And we desire, as, this, as, as Joel said earlier, as a church, that we want every man, woman, and child within our circle of responsibility to come to an understanding of this saving grace. That, that, that this saving grace might be on our lips all the time to our neighbors trying to get into conversation so that they might know this saving grace. Because they already know the universal grace, but the universal grace doesn't save anybody for eternity. Saving grace saves you and gives you hope for all of eternity. It is the grace that we know. But here's the glory. It's not the end of God's grace, and it's not the only form of God's grace. There's one more. We call it sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. This is the refining grace to believers through effort that we call spiritual discipline. The refining grace to believers that through effort of spiritual disciplines. This is the grace that comes together in partnership with God. That we give grace-driven effort. Now here's the fun part about it. He gives to us grace and he gives to us effort in which we expend that effort to get more grace. Wonderful. And so God gives us the power to actually seek after him. We use the power that he gives to us to then go after him. Anybody have young children? For, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting for Christmas that it's, it's like, Mommy and Daddy, I want to get you Christmas gifts. And so we take our kids to the store and give them money to which then they buy us gifts that we know about. And then we unwrap them and say, oh, that's great. Where do they get the money? How do they get to the store? They got it from us. It works in that same way that God provides everything for us. He gives us the grace. He gives us the effort so that we can get more grace. It's a wonderful system if you think about it. So this idea of sanctifying grace that he continues to give to us is still unmerited favor, but it is in partnership with him that we work alongside with him and give effort towards this. And God gives us these channels called spiritual discipline or what we're going to call ten habits that we walk in and we put ourselves under so that we might know more about God, that we might understand his joy and his goodness even more. I'll put this quote up on the screen. It says this. We cannot, this is by David Mathis, hopefully, yeah, there it is. We cannot earn God's grace or make it flow apart from his free gift, but we can, get this, position ourselves to go on getting as he keeps giving. We can fight to walk in the paths where he has promised his blessings. We can ready ourselves to remain receivers along his regular routes, sometimes called spiritual disciplines. It's all grace, 
And it's all unmerited favor, but it is unlocking this idea of sanctifying grace. Now, do you need a sanctifying? I want to be very careful throughout this entire series. Do you need sanctifying grace to be saved for all of eternity? Everybody said, no. There is no part of this idea of salvation in which we earn it or that we have any partnership in it. But we read in the scripture a partnership that exists after our justification, after we come to know the Lord. It says this in 1 Peter 3. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error or lawless people and lose your own stability. But here it is, get this, 18. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So verse 18, Peter, Peter someone who's wa walked with Jesus for three years, is commanding the church saying, you need to grow in grace. Now, if we don't understand sanctifying grace, and it's just like, well, how does that work? I thought when I got saved, I got all the grace that I ever need. Peter's telling us that there's more to gain. It's not a zero-sum game. That there's more and more and more to gain. And that we should grow in this understanding of, of grace. Paul says this in Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have also obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work out. Exercise your faith. Grow in this idea of grace. There's a couple mistakes that I want you guys to see. Mistake number one. Believing that universal grace is saving grace. Believing that universal grace is saving grace. That is a huge mistake. Believing that, yeah, God favors me all the time. And, and he takes care of me. He's given me everything that I need. I'm breathing. I'm living. And my family has what we need, and I, I get it. And so I'm good without God. I have what I need. Why would I need anything more? And so we begin to think that the universal blessings and grace of God are all that we need. And so therefore, I don't need, to, I don't need more of that. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is equally as heinous. Mistake number two is this, believing that sanctifying grace is saving grace. Now, if you've been in church for a very long time, you need to watch out for this. Because it's possible that from a very young age, you are taught what to do, but never why you do it. That you've been taught you need to be good. You need to not cuss. You need to not drink. You need to not do drugs. You need to not do this, this, this. And so that you have turned Christianity into a set of rules in which all you do is follow the rules and God's good with you. Here's the problem with that. You're turning all of these on. I go to church. I serve. I do all of these things. But you never have quite made a decision for Jesus. And you're trying to do all the right things, but never actually accepting his saving grace into your life. And so you have to be very careful to think that I'll, if I just follow the rules, God will be good with me, and he will love me if I follow the rules. 
be very careful about that lie. Third one, believing that saving grace is the only grace. Believing that saving grace is the only grace. What this means is that we check the box for salvation, that at some point we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus, and we've heard that that's the only thing that we need, and so therefore we got our heaven insurance. And we've accepted the grace of God, the saving grace of God, but yet we're just like, okay, we're good now. I've got the universal grace of God. I've got the saving grace of God. And that's all that I really need. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that it? The answer is no. It's not the only grace. That would be like getting married and not going on the honeymoon. That would be like having a birthday party and never opening up all the gifts. Yesterday, I I, uh, went to Walmart, which Saturday before a football game, being Saturday, and then with hurricane crisis, Walmart is terrible, like genuinely terrible. And so I I decided to compound that with, hey, bring my three-year-old with me. That will make it better. And so I got Lincoln with me, and uh, and he, he loves life, and he's having a good time. And he knows as we walk through the store, and I, at the at closer to the end, I picked up for my kids because I'm a good dad. I picked. Oh, well, I guess that's different. Depends on who you, what you think about food. Okay, but I picked up a package of Little Debbie cakes, right? A box of Star Crunches. Yeah, good stuff. And Lincoln goes, like, this is a, this is a big deal to him. And so he, Dad, can I carry it? Can I carry it? Okay, sure. He carried the box of Star Crunches the entire time. The, the, the cashier had to ask for them, and he was a little upset that she wanted them from him. So he carried them the whole time. And he was super excited. Now, he knew, he, he knew enough not to ask to have one right then. But I knew that he was assuming that as soon as we get home, especially if he carried them the entire time, all the way home, that he was going to get one. Now, when we get home, I'm getting all the groceries out. And, I mean, we go to school and pack lunches, and so those are that the purpose of those little packaged things is to go in the lunch boxes, right? And so I take the Star Crunch, not from him at the moment, but I take this, he saw me, and I put it in our pantry and leave it right there. And the look that he gives me, what are you doing? We're having a Star Crunch, right? Is that not what we do if we think that the only grace is saving grace. That we're leaving everything on the table. We're leaving the gifts of God, the joy of God, the things that we get to do. Not have to do, that we get to do. This is the very reason why we have Christians to this day. We have Christians who are angry. We have Christians who are depressed. We have Christians who are drunkards. We have Christians that don't look like Christians at all because they live so long without sanctifying grace that they're almost unrecognizable from what Christ meant at all as Christians. We don't look any different because, yes, we're going to heaven eternally bound, but we've never opened up all the gifts of God. We've never understand all of his full joy because we haven't walked and given grace-driven effort towards the things that God, the pathways that God has set up for us.
Sanctifying grace is the unlocking of that. So how do we do that? Uh, and how do we get started in this? And so I want us to really focus now, we're going to focus over the next 10 weeks on these 10 habits, these pathways, these unlocking of God's grace to us. The first way that we do that is through hearing God speak. Through hearing God speak. We live in a grace-driven world that God has spoken into. Now, his, uh, the way that he speaks is just like the way that he gives grace. The first one is this. There is a universal word. There is a universal word that all of creation understands that there's something grand and way beyond this. When we stand on the beach and look at the vast ocean, we say, I didn't make that, and I don't know anybody who could. That God, God gives, speaks things into existence. Genesis chapter 1, God speaks the creation into existence. That he is a God who is actively involved. And he has wired us to know that we didn't make that. That something much greater than us made that. And his universal word speaks that into existence and is still speaking. He is creating a universe that we will enjoy in the future. The second thing that he speaks is a saving word that God spoke through his son. That God spoke. He not only speaks through creation, he spoke through his son, Jesus. In John chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus is called the word because God is speaking into creation. He is becoming a human being, becoming a man in which God, God's word was made flesh to dwell among us. When Jesus spoke, he was speaking as if he was God, and he is indeed, indeed God. So we have God's universal word, then we have his saving word, then we, of course, have his sanctifying word. His sanctifying word, which is God speaks through his scripture. John 17 says this, I have given them, this is Jesus speaking and praying for his disciples. He says this, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here it is, right here. Give, give it to me. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Give them a, a, a sanctifying grace. And how are we going to do that? Through the word of God. God speaking. We are a people who believe that God is living and active because he has spoken. And our foundation for that, with the spiritual disciplines, is the word of God. Is the word of God. The word will teach us how to study. The word of God will teach us how to pray. The word will teach us how to Sabbath and rest. The Word will teach us how to fellowship with one another. The Word will teach us how to worship. The Word will teach us how to serve. The Word will teach us how to give. It is incredibly important that we understand that the foundational aspect of all spiritual disciplines is how God has spoken to us 
through his word and throughout this entire process, we as a church are going to be diving deep into his scripture. We're going to have a Bible reading plan that all of us are going to be on. We're going to memorize and meditate upon scripture. We're going to have, this, we're going to have opportunities for your family to gather around and work through scripture together to study it deeply. Uh, and it's just going to be so much fun because we're all going to be doing this together. And it's God's foundational word. So we're going to talk next week about that. That's if, that's if Florence, you know, decides to take a little north, northward curve, of course. Um, we're excited about the process of seeing how God's word is going to work and live, be active and living inside of our lives uh, throughout this whole process. So do me a favor. Go, go ahead and get this out. <clears throat> Should have received one on the way in. Everybody needs one. On the first page, it gives you a chance. I really hope that you would do this. On the first page, it gives you a chance to put your name on there and your email address on there because if everybody has the same book, uh, that's trouble if we lose them, okay? Uh, so go ahead and put your name, email address. Uh, they are free. If you want to take one for a neighbor or a friend or somebody who's not here today, we'd love to give you one. If you are one of these like uh, e-reader kind of persons that we can send it out to you uh, for free as a PDF, we'd love for you to have it in any way possible. What you will see in here is you'll see a Bible reading plan. Uh, you'll, you'll see a, a Bible verse to, to, uh, to memorize through the week. And then you'll have challenges through the week. There'll be personal challenges for you, uh, for, for you to be walking through. Uh, and then there'll be family challenges for you, especially for, for you guys, for you parents that are trying to equip your children and disciple your own children uh, and to be the chief disciple maker of your children. I hope that you'll take this seriously and walk with your children through these exercises. A bunch of them are fun. Uh, it's just going to be fun. And so in your missional communities, I hope that you guys wrestle through some of these things together. Uh, in your huddles, I hope that you'll gather around the scripture passages here and challenge each other to memorize some things uh, to help you out there. Um, with scripture memory, because I know that this is new for some of you. Um, we have provided these two, so they turn out just like this, but they look like sheets because we didn't cut them all out uh, because, I don't know, I was lazy. Okay, but these are free, uh, and, and they're out there in the lobby for you to take. They have week one, week two, week three, and on the back side it has the actual Bible verse. Uh, they turn out just like this. You cut them all up, and you can put them in your car, put them on your dashboard, uh, put them on your computer screen, whatever you want, and you can have the Word of God right in front of you for the week. Uh, to memorize that particular scripture, I'd love to have. I'd love for you to have that. Uh, love through the week. It'd be fantastic. <clears throat> the other thing that I want you guys to think about too. There's a great book that kind of goes along with this whole series called Habits of Grace. I think we we got about ten copies out there. They're twelve bucks a piece. You can get on Amazon for twelve bucks. Uh, it's a really good read. Okay, really good read. We'd love for you to have this book to really dig deeper into an understanding of what spiritual disciplines are, because it's going to be an incredible way for you guys to be thinking through how can I open up and unlock all of these things that God has for me uh, throughout, uh, throughout these next 10 weeks. Love for you getting involved and invested uh, into that as well. Okay, So fun stuff. I'm excited. If you missed any of these resources, we will have them in the lobby on your way out. Take them. They're free. Not this, but this. Uh, and uh, we'd love for you to have them. Okay, cool. Let's pray together.